They're taking cherubin pot-strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. Yeah, anyway, so she gets off the boat and I'm watching her and she puts the first sock on, then the boot for that foot, and then the other sock, and then the other boot. Hang on a sec. So she goes sock, boot, sock, sock boot. boot, not sock, sock, boot, boot. No. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. It's very unsettling. Mm. beard. This has just ruined my day. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishos, welcome to the Tinny again, with Beard and Andy this week, Tim's away, and look Andy, it's, it's, it's much easier, you know, that decision uh, about the, the socks and, and, and the boots when you're just rolling with double pluggers anyway, well, it's pretty hard to stuff up that process. Yeah, yeah, ways. Unless you you argue, do you put one on at a time, or do you hang off the the gunnel and put both on at once? Do you, you just slip them on? Run and jump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What know, I love about this show I is you know I... we tackle the big issues all the time. <laughs> Let's kick it off with something real intellectual. Would you jump off the gunnel of your boat? into your thongs simultaneously. Yeah, and I really thought I knew how to put shoes on, but it <laughs> seems like I don't. Uh, but I mean, what I am noticing a lot more these days is people running crocs and socks, especially yeah. in the dry season. Yeah, I, I don't get that. Um, my daughter just had a birthday, and, and ironically, her cousins from down south sent her up as a birthday present a pair of pink crocs, because that's what she wanted. Apparently, they're all wearing crocs down there. Mm. Yeah, right. And yeah. socks? No, not socks. Oh, yeah, Crocs and Socks down there, but up here, no, obviously she just runs the, well, yeah, but the, I, the nudie feet. In I've, the just started, <laughs> I've just started seeing a lot of people wearing Crocs and Socks. If the temperature has gone sub-20 overnight, yeah, chuck some socks on, you know. Yeah, um, right. I mean, it's, it's footwear that's got holes in it. You think if you needed to wear socks, maybe cover up the holes. Cover up the holes first. Yeah, like yeah okay. None of this strikes any sort of intellectual cord with me. <laughs> How's your week been? Yeah, it's been great. It's been full on. Been all over the country, actually, doing various stuff in my day job. Did go to the school camp that we touched on last week. And fish? Uh, yeah, got fish. Got fish. Got fish. It was epic. It, it, the, the spot where the camp was was so good. I was like a little distracted schoolboy, to be honest with you. Know, I've, I've put, I haven't had time to record it yet, but I've put together a little little piece that we'll play next week that, that aptly describes my time as a parent volunteer. Did your fervour for fishing that spot get in the way of your uh, parental duties that you'd stuck your hand up for? You'd volunteered your services. In a word, yes, okay. it, it did. Okay. Yeah. Well, that comes I, as no I, surprise. I think there are a couple of times where I heard the principal uh, or the, the principal of the camp going, oh, where's Andy? Where, where is that where, man that where, volunteered his, right. his time? Some kid's hanging off a zip line. Someone's like, where's Andy? <laughs> I had one of those sessions on the weekend uh, where you've lined everything up and the wind has other ideas. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. You know, and you uh, can't fight it, can you? No. I mean, at least there's something to blame, I guess. That's what I did. Um, I also strongly suspect that the wind did blow harder because we'd said it was annoying last week. Yeah. yeah. So, needless to say, wind, if you're if you're listening, you're awesome. You win a, we we just really love you. Um, so sorry, and you're just you're just super. Here's a, here's a theory for you in the future because I looked out at the harbour this morning. It looks looks pretty nice. If if you want to know when the good time to go fishing is, ring me and ask me how I'm going with my day-to-day workload mm. at the moment it's an 11 out of 10 yep and the harbour is magnificent okay you can guarantee when the lull comes and i'm a three out of ten yes yep it'll be blowing 30 knots south easterly so. oh it's it's basically a, it's, it's it's an inverse relationship it's an inverse but it's a law of nature <laughs> it yeah. is it yeah is. hey i want to just ask you a philosophical question to fire us off uh, this week that, that occurred to me go we're going on spring tides this weekend right yep where you're hitting the extremes 
the high highs and the low lows, as opposed to the neat tides where there's less deviation from the middle, you know. Yep. The question is, if your life was a tide, which would you rather, be a spring or a neat? Wow, that is philosophical. Mm. And you put me on the spot too. Mm. Uh, Look, my life unequivocally is a spring tide. Always has been. That's what it is. But your question was, what would would you rather? Mm. Uh, Would you rather it be just a little bit, you know, uh, a bit bit smoother sailing? You know, a bit more even keeled? I think think at my age, I'm 51 now, I think at my age, I've certainly um, cherished the springtide life up until now. But I reckon over the next few years, perhaps up to, say, 55 and beyond, I'd be happy for life to neap out a bit. Because here's the thing. It's, it, this, is not a, um, this is not a sort of digital solution. This, it, it's not springtide life good, neap tide life yes. not as good as springtide life. Yeah, There's yeah. actually a lot of benefits to the springtide and the springtide life. We catch tuna. You can't catch tuna on, on springs. So a lot of good stuff mm. happens on the neaps. It's, it's more reliable too. Uh, it often consumes less energy. Yes. It's often more picturesque. I mean, the water's a lot clearer on the neaps. Yeah, well, we've talked to Coity in WA before, remember? I mean, it, he, he considered them a bit sexier, mm. uh, a bit more sort of, you know, a bit more sensual. And um, maybe a building spring is sort of best of both worlds. You're getting pretty high highs, pretty low lows, but nothing too crazy. I, I think there's enough, phil- philosophically, there's enough within the neap tide band of life to keep you well-challenged, well-employed, uh, well-loved, and well-achieved. So I, th- I, I, I actually am a big fan of the neap tide. I'll tell you what, I'm going to ask this question of, of everybody uh, uh, that we talked to on this week's show, and we'll come back at the end and, and, and see what they have to say. Oh, I love it. it. I yeah? love it. Yeah. Good work. A couple of quick things before we get into the rest of the show. The Tebs round, the, the Harbour round is on this weekend. Oh, yep. Good. That is the, uh, that's the first round for well, a couple of months at least. Awesome. And we got the Caddy Classic this weekend as well. Oh, yes, indeed. There's a world event for you. Yeah. Hey? Yeah. Pretty much. It's pretty much up there with the Matildas game. Everyone's just waiting for the Caddy Classic. <laughs> Stick around for shows because we'll chat about some options for the weekend. Um, get a solid reminder about why you need an EPIRB on your boat. Uh, and here, a tale of tragedy, of superstition, and what a Barramundi's mummified head has to do with any of that. So, got the, uh, got the coins in the eyes and then, um, and then I ended up whacking in a Polo Santo stick into its mouth, kind of like a cigar. Polo Santo is the South American equivalent of sage. It's meant to be like warding off evil spirits and that. So I'm thinking, ah, take every precaution that this barra doesn't come haunting me again. This is Tales from the Tinny with Beard and Andy. Stretch the back, put some more lead on, because we're going deep this week. Shout out to all the Territory girls out there getting in the mud and chasing the fish and sweating in the boat. Like, it's all part of the game, and yeah, good on yous. Can we apply for government grants and maybe get free beers? Tales from the Tinny. Well, he's an eminent prescriptor of uh, lure and combo, chief advisor on what waterways to get wise to and wise on, a shoulder to cry on, an enabler of excuses and a set of ears in which to whisper a secret or two. Mm. He is Ronald Vuklas from Fishing and Outdoor World, and if he doesn't already just look at lures all day. Uh, he's recently got back from Brizzy and the Australian Fishing Trade Association tradie show thingy where it's, there's just like an abundance, a plethora of tackle from all around Australia. It's where all the good news stuff first shows up before it hits the shelves. G'day, Ronnie. Um, can we start with that? It sounds like you've been to the equivalent of Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Uh, only Gentlemen, the, we the can. Lure version. Oh, I- I do like I do like that enabler of excuses. I actually gonna I've got to change my business cards now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from manager he's, to he, enabler of excuses. He's our man. That's terrific. <laughs> um, yes. Um, quick quick run to the Goldie, uh, the convention center there. I hadn't been for for a few years, just uh, with you know, COVID and parenthood and other things. But um, yeah, it was a was a great show. Great to catch up on all the new stuff. Yeah, it was it was a if not quick, but it was, a, it was a great couple of days. Is it a bit of a window into the future, Ronnie, like these things? Like, are you seeing, you're privy to what's coming up next, you know, tackle-wise in Australia? Yeah, I yeah, don't know about sort of, you know, there was nothing as, you know, revolutionary as seeing, thing, seeing what the next kind of life scope will be or, or that, you know, the next type of, you know, when, when vibes sort of change the way we 
fish and that sort of thing. But definitely, you know, um, obviously just soft plastics is um, is is crazy. And you know, sort of some of the some of the bigger companies, you know, um, there's you know just quite a few more options in terms of swim baits and 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 larger size stuff now, which obviously is you know the cod market down you know down south and, and up here with the barra market we're sort of starting to get a bit more that's always been a thing you know of, um, you know big you know warnings of these bigger soft plastics and like so that's something that um that uh, that definitely caught my eye really interesting i don't know if the 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 ships already run in that aspect but i reckon i was i was making a comment to a to one of the other um retailers down having a look that um Everyone's got a prawn or different prawn imitations. I felt like there was more prawns there than the buddy, the Gulf and Carpentaria prawn fleet <laughs> during, during during tiger prawn season. You know, so you're the prawn. Um, yeah, there was just heaps of that. But um, no, there was there was definitely um, the soft plastics continue to be the continue to be the thing that, that you know the way it's it's going. And and you had companies you know like Daiwa well, and Shimano with you know a lot of travel rods and 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 you know these. A lot of these bait casters and the like with with these really high um cast weights now for these you know all these swim baits and and that sort of thing so not just for barra obviously for cod but where you know the influence was at, you know the u.s bass market and everything sort of tailored for that there's just there's enough filtering through that seems like they've they've had murray cod and barramundi in mind when designing this upsets me a little bit because i already struggle enough picking which plastics to, to put to stick a jig head into uh it's the idea that that, that choice is possibly even going to get harder <laughs> just, you know well, as they keep making them cry me river beard spare a thought for the fishing tackle proprietor who thought he had a big enough shop and how's he going to fill it to now suddenly going oh how do we squeeze a whole nother <laughs> row in because when i see you know one of the the lure manufacturers made a, a, a big comeback you know one of the brands of soft plastics and went from i thought they were about done and next thing they're coming out with you know 20 different colors in pre-rig plastics in three different sizes like where do you yeah. where do you put that so first world problems by the way uh speaking of another first world problem um <laughs> uh, what are you hearing on the barra front ronnie um, well, Barrow continue to fish well, and 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 last weekend in particular were the saviour of the the fishing trip. Normally it's the other way around, where um, you know the the blue water scene saves it because the Barrow haven't been playing the game. But you know Mother Nature wasn't kind last weekend, I believe, and the the winds were pretty uh, ordinary, or you know the, the the conditions should I say were ordinary. But um, definitely down the Finnish River uh, had some reports of uh some nice threadies and some good barra getting caught as well as jewies yeah some lads that did have a vernon's trip in mind sort of turned right from leaders and ducked into the wilshires and were rewarded for their days so the barra continued to be really strong but there was quite a few people that were trying to take advantage of the mackerel mayhem that's offshore and in the harbour at the moment but um yeah the weather gods did make that a little tricky. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was one of those that uh, that was was trying to get a piece of the mackerel mayhem. Um, but I've, I've, I've since realised that actually it's our fault that the wind came up because we we did we called the wind annoying on last week's show. Um, yeah, so. you you thumbed your nose at it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now we've we've tried to make amends. Wind, we love you. Sure. You're awesome. Yeah, and then, love, and also, can I just say, wind, you're important. Like you're, you play yeah. a critical role in the whole ecosystem, and and we just we appreciate your work. All right, that's enough. All right, <laughs> but, um, it's really interesting. I don't know what your your take is on it, boys, but for how strong that mackerel season has been, and the numbers of them around, the the, the long tail tuna not sort of showing up in in great numbers so that's probably if you're going to you know one sort of disappointing thing with what this dry season's been but and that usually is an indicator of you know sort of um i always was told and thought that it was a, to do with the bait and you know like you know obviously not as much bait around so that they're, they're not in numbers or they're not stand up on the surface but but then yeah the big numbers of mackerel um you know coming through so that um you know they're obviously there because there's bait so yeah not not sure what it is but um yeah, all around it's been it's been good, but obviously having a look at, at this weekend's tides and they're obviously bigger, so um, you know we'll, whether the pelagics will be about in the numbers with the water clarity's not there, but um, I guess people will take advantage of that good run of power in Bino Harbour and Darwin Harbour continues to be consistent. Um, so you know plenty to look forward to this weekend as well. You know you've sort of sevens down to down to one point 
1.7, so sub two metres. So, yeah, look, looking good. I'm, I'm guessing some people are going get locked into Shoal Bay as well, which Shoal Bay continues just or hasn't stopped all year, really. Yeah, and this weekend actually is the um, is the uh, Top End Barrier Series Harbour Round too. Um, oh, there we go. So that'll that'll, that'll be a little bit a uh, little bit busy, but yes, um, there's, always bino, there's always bino to go and have a look at or or saltwater arm. But yeah, I'd expect some uh, good results on there. Cuddles, Cooper, and the like will be uh, weaving their magic in the harbour. Yes, and if you if you happen to come across uh, seven boats all rafted up uh, together, fishers, you'll know. <laughs> what crew? No, <laughs> no one's at. broken down. It's just the Kev's uh, <laughs> yeah. crew. It's just, just just some people having an excellent time. Rightio, Ronnie. Well, it's all about choice, isn't it? It's all about choice on the on the, the floor of the show with the multitude of lures, and it's also all about choice this coming weekend out there on the harbour and the rivers. Thanks so much, Ronnie. You have a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you, gents. And I have left enlightened. Always good to be on the tinny, and I've left enlightened. Thank you very much. Because I can't cut barrel for shit, mate. I haven't caught a barrel for years. The rain, under the heat, under the mozzies and all of this, and trying from the shore, from the creeks, from the from the water. They wouldn't even bring it up in Parliament because there's just too much honesty in the tale. We don't run any of those uh, scope dope technology or Mario Stick Brothers things, I call them. Tales from the Tinny. So last Friday, NT Police made a rescue of a fella who left Buff Creek last Monday heading for Warramunga on the Tiwis. Yeah, I saw um, saw a lot of photographs in the early stages over Facebook mm. saying, has anyone seen this bloke? I think the trailer was there in the in, in the car park and so there was an automatic sort of worry. Yeah, well, they'd received reports in the morning, the, the morning before the rescue, the actual rescue, that he'd failed to arrive at the community uh, and so they instigated a search involving AMSA, Warramunga Police, NT Police Air Wing, Nautilus Aviation and a commercial fishing vessel. Uh, he's okay. In the end, was flown to Darwin and taken to Royal Darwin Hospital for observation with mild exposure and a snake bite he obtained while searching for food in the mangroves. Wow, that's spring low. That's spring low. But it turns out that his probable saviour was none other than Tinny Church member Errol Zanos. You know Errol? Yeah, yeah. We've called him God before. Absolutely. Now yeah. we know why. <laughs> Errol was good enough to lay down what happened uh, from his perspective. There's a bit of a story a couple of days before. It was actually meant to do a spear trip off the Tiwis. The wind killed that set of neeps for the, for the Darwin spearing community a bit. So we ended up cancelling the trip on, I think it was Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. I was sort of like, I still wanted to do something. So I ended up making the call. I'd poke around to Shady Camp and have a bit of a look along Botham and the mouth of the Adelaide and all those little hot spots. So it's not a bad second option, actually, really, is it, Errol? I mean, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well I, I had to do something. I was going stir crazy. I was like, I'm going somewhere. If I can't go spearing, I'll go barrel fishing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, shot off from leaders on Thursday morning. Poked around fairly early before the wind kicked up too much. Got around Hotham and through to Tommy Cut, and the conditions weren't quite what I was hoping for. So about four o'clock, I decided to pull the pin and got all the way out the mouth, and then turned off out to the west to head back towards Leaders. And yeah, I don't know. Just looked over my shoulder down the coastline for some reason, and the big orange smoke. So yeah pretty much only one thing that can be with flare so i turned around and started shooting back towards shady and um yeah there's a tinny up on the mud flat not in the mangroves but certainly not far off them and um got in as close as i could on the falling tide and which was about 100 150 meters and i was trying to yell out to this i could see a guy moving around so i was trying to yell out to this bloke and all i could get out of him was he had run out of fuel. He didn't have an EPIRB. He did have flares. That's all. Like, like we were screaming across sort of the mudslap and the water. Like, I nearly got stuck getting to him. I, did, I sort of faced myself back out to sea and turned the motor up so I could hear him. I should so, say, too, that, like, this is, um, I mean, not only is the tide dropping, but, but you know, over the mud. This is not mud that you can just saunter out on and, and, no, and no, have a conversation. Yeah, right. you know. No, no. You know, yeah, well, my boat bottoming out sort of well, between knee and waist deep water, so not a fun time trying to 
slither through the mud at the front of Tommy Cut with all the friendly reptiles that live there. Mm. You know, he was moving around the boat fairly normally. He didn't seem in distress or anything. So I was trying to get a number to call or something to help him because I couldn't get anywhere near him. And the tide was probably, yeah, another seven hours away. And it was a smaller high tide as well. So I was a bit dubious whether I'd be able to even get in there. So I, um, I sort of putted out into some deeper water and... I didn't know, I tossed up, I had the E-perb out, and I was like, do I pull it, do I not? I know there's reception around Cape Hotham, so I thought I'd head back to Darwin and, and call the police and see if they knew anything, and old mate's heart must have sank when I drove off. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I headed back, got, a, I think it was two bars of 3G, and managed to get a phone call through to triple zero, and, yeah, just told him all, like, all the stuff I got out of him, which was, yeah, no fuel. No EPIRB, had a flares and passed that all on. Described the boat, which was, yeah, white bow rider with the red stripe down the side. And the lady on the phone was very nice, took all the information and said there'd probably be someone else to come back in contact and ask more questions. Kept heading back towards leaders and um, 20 minutes later, another boat call just to check on the information and sort of distances because I originally thought it was just some guy that had come from around from Shady Camp in that style of boat and just run aground on the mud uh, sorry ran out of fuel and drifted onto the mud flat um, so I was giving him distances and stuff from each like from leaders or Shady Camp being the two most likely spots and said he'd, they'd get something onto it and then I went round got round Hotham and just sort of halfway between Hotham and leaders it's funny I got I hit some 4G reception and the only thing I did was, and I don't know why, I opened, I like loaded the first screen of Facebook. The first thing that popped up was a post on, uh, I think it's Darwin Fishing Reports, with a, a spiel about how this guy had left Monday and no one's seen him since then. And the picture of the boat, and I was like, that's 100% the boat. So I just put a quick little note there saying I found him police notified and then got back to leaders. I think it was about, oh, it must've been seven thirty by this stage. And, uh, had another guy ring me. He was, he was the bloke running the search and rescue. And like, like he said, with all the winds and, and the, the southeasterlies that had been blowing, everyone thought he was going to be, uh, west of the Vernons sort of out past that way back towards Mandorish. So, I think they their search and rescue efforts were just a little bit far west. I think they had a commercial fishing boat that was going to go check it out, and then they were sending a police boat from Darwin. Um, this is uh, this is all hearsay now from here. I don't really know what happened, but it sounds like they went around there, couldn't get close enough because um, the next high would have been about midnight. I think they ended up choppering him out Friday morning, uh, and he went to hospital. And lucky you had that flare, eh? Yeah. Um, well, I, there's no way. Lucky he had the flare. Lucky I looked over my shoulder. Like I was already facing the other direction and just looked back over my shoulder and saw the orange smoke. So, yeah, if he hadn't had the flare, I would never have seen him, 100%. So big shout out to, you know, the police search and rescue and the emergency services and everyone that, you know, made it happen. And that did, I guess, I would say most of the real work and they got him back and got him home, you know. I just found the bloke that they did. They did all the hard stuff. It's nice to know that, you know, they'll come looking if something goes wrong. Hats off, Errol, and to all involved in the rescue. Um, how it happened in that wind and, you know, how he ended up there and in what, what ended up being strong easterly winds, it seems like a bit of a mystery. Um, we did try and get onto the fella but didn't have any luck there. The advice from NT Police wasn't too surprising, um, but it is rock-solid advice, and you have to follow it, folks, if you're out there. These are dangerous waters that we operate in. You know, each vessel has to be seaworthy and comply with all the, the water safety laws. It should have a registered EPIRB. It's got to be up to date. Yeah. Um, appropriate safety gear must be on board, and it must be in good condition. There's no, no good having out-of-date flares and a torch that's running off batteries from 1942. All vessels should have adequate water and food supplies in case of emergency. And, of course, the most important is to let your family and friends know where you're going. I, st- I still do that routinely. And, and, and I know my, my, my wife probably doesn't know half the actual names that I give her. It's like I'm, 
I'm going to um, going to Six Mile. I'm going to I'm going to the the patches. I'm going to here or there, but. I at least tell her where I'm going so that someone else can interpret that if I don't come back. I should mention, Sue, Errol also knocked off a, um, a 106 barra uh, a couple of weeks ago. 106 in the dry season. Dry season. In the middle in the of the dry season. In the middle, yeah. This bloke is a god. <sighs> Yet the heroism just doesn't stop. Good on you, Errol. Working it slower, they give it gives them a chance to catch up to it, I guess. Fishing is all about relaxation. Second cast, I think, straight away got buffed and I was like, yeah, this is what we're doing. <laughs> you go out, boating first, and every now and then, fishing breaks out. Tales from the Tinny. Sam's just reversing the boat while I'm drinking a beer, dying an FG night. This billabong looks inviting. Cough. Because I drink soy milk doesn't mean I hate my life. Baza! Woohoo! Just tear on board! Woo! Yeah. Woo! Nice little model. Oh! Get him, Bill. Get the dog. That was sick. Oh, another one for the Esky, too, boys. Uh, well, let me just describe to you the scene that is in front of me here. So, standing here, campsite three, where we um, were legitimately booked for last night um, <laughs> at the boat ramp. And what I'm looking at is uh, Samuel Mitchell here, with a with a rod in hand, yep, just like you would expect, fishing off the boat ramp. But it's what's on the end of the rod that really is, is interesting. Um, what we're looking at here is a speaker from a 2013... <laughs> GU Patrol, <laughs> rigged with some kind of trapeze that Pete made out of cherubim pot rope. <laughs> and what we're trying to catch, the quarry today, Samsung Galaxy S22 Ultra. They are waterproof. They're yeah, waterproof. waterproof. We're, remains to be seen whether or not they're magnet proof. But Ooh. Is that a hit, Sam? In a minute, up she comes. Yeah, nah, still a speaker. So. Sambo's on to a good one. Oh, net shot. Yeah. Fish of the trap. Good Woo. fish. How good. Yeah. That is a fish. Nice. Yes, Go Rambo. Pressure gets on a little bit though when you first like. Yeah, don't do that hook thing. I'll get those lip yeah. grips, eh? Yeah. Oh, he was going nowhere. Yeah? Got all three, like, one of these trebles, you got all three points of it in his gill plate. <laughs> Status update. Did you actually have a hit then? Yeah. Get uh, six fish on the board, I believe. Is that right? Five in the ASCII. We are running low on yogos. Yeah. Sam consumes yogos quicker than I consume rum cans. Probably going to pack up shop and head into Woolies soon. Oh, oh my God. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that makes me feel Ooh. a bit better. Fucking booyah. No. Yeah, boy! There am on new. You, you probably oh, want to edit that out there, boys. <laughs> they put the ratchet in. <laughs> <laughs> We're all just like capes. <laughs> yeah. Good luck ratcheting that, you <laughs> muppets. <laughs> yeah. Get a mullet up, you too. Well, it's from the tinny. Looks like that's the end of another sick adventure. Ten fish, all sorts of flicking, trawling, live baiting. It's been an awesome. Anyways, get out there amongst it. Go live your dream. Tales from the Tinny. Get a mullet up ya! Regurgitated. Hello, Alec from Big Sexy Mama Fish. Recently I went to Shady Camp after like launching my boat and then cruising. Suddenly my boat just sat. What the f***? And then I just realised like that my petrol mixed with the water. I've opened the, the cooler and then opened everything and start pumping. Pumping, 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 and then a lot of like a 
thing with water everywhere water everywhere and then because it's like in a yamaha i have to like open the the safety like plight or whatever i don't know what the fuck you call it it's no english because no english <laughs> and then after we palm everything done and then so i tell to my friend okay start it and then when she started i can i stop like uh, the starter grab my my shot and then start on a start your shorts got pulled into the starter motor yes bloody yeah so lucky lucky i have coin in the pocket the coin stuck in the between of the what you're calling the gear or whatever and then jam the engine if without my lucky coin i think my ball already chop my i gonna lose my my telur we call it in the my telur prinsilani we call it fucking super close my i can feel it the 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 burn on the already touching that is scary i nearly lose my ball without what is and stop the engine i don't know what the can have a baby. Ah! <laughs> Always have 20 cents in your pocket. Yes. Bring like small coin, boys. Really, 20 cent is really important, boys. Not vocal, maybe the boys. <laughs> Mix well put in your pocket when you fix your bloody engine. Never know, never know. Maybe you can help your balls to save your balls, mate. Andy, this next yarn is, is a bit of a doozy for a few reasons. Right. First, it's probably longer than any other tinny yarn we've ever done. The second is it involves a, a mummified barramundi head. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm just going to leave it there. That's not, that's not weird. No, no, that's, it involves that. But it is a lot more than that. Uh, it's a tale of tragedy, of superstition, and the ever-intoxicating pursuit of the magic metery. I mean, I might as well light it up, get it going, ward off some spirits. All right, so you just light that and then you put it in the barra's mouth and then the barra looks like it's smoking a cigar. <laughs> That's right. It's like in death, old barra needs a smoke. And um, I hope that, you know, it's not angry with me and it's, it's a friend of mine now. Hey, I'm Artem. I moved to Australia, well, to Darwin five years ago. Originally came from Ukraine, and uh, now I'm a pretty keen barramundi fisherman. You do just have the rods right in the corner, so whenever I'm eating or chilling out, cooking something in the kitchen, I've always got the reminder of the rods and the fact that I need to fish at some point and that the, the gear is sitting there. We've got a collection of lures that were my metery lures. Then we got a painting I did of... Uh, the second metery that I got. And you've also got a, uh, a tattoo on your leg. Oh yeah, shout out Fishing and Outdoor World. I've got their logo on my left calf. I walked into a tattoo parlor in Melbourne and uh, asked them to draw me a barra and they drew a snook. That's, that doesn't look like barra. The ta- time was ticking and I pulled up the only good barra image that I knew. Um, and I was Fishing and Outdoor World, so yeah. And, uh, and then there's also this dollar barra's head sitting on the table with some coins in its eyes. Yes, we'll get to the Mina Barra head soon. But first, I think we need to go back a bit uh, to how Barra sort of took over your life a bit. I've fished all my life, really. When I grew up in Ukraine, I was all freshwater fishing. Pike, redfin perch, carp. And uh, I'd always been happy catching whatever size fish. I did a lot of ice fishing, you know, fishing through a little hole in the ice and so then when I moved to Darwin, I was like, hmm, I wonder what kind of fishing there's here. Weirdly enough, I worked with Hiro Nakamura. You know, he's pretty famous around Darwin for land-based barra fishing. And I was like, hmm, I got to, like, check this barra fish out. You know, it sounds pretty cool. He's into it. Like, went out to Channel Island to his spot and hooked a barra on, like, a little glass minnow thing. And then I was hooked. I was like, oh, this is great. And then, yeah, it was just sort of evolved from there. Got a boat and... Um, Ended up putting a lot of hours in on the water. Build up 2021, I put in 
every single weekend between first weekend of August until like maybe second weekend of December or something like that without fail at Shady. And I'd also go Shoal Bay at night time during the work week. Like I was out fishing all the time. That's the best one yet, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. Definitely pushing 75. Beautiful. Good morning. Good morning, America. (laughs) But when you're hanging around all these people that are catching a lot of fish, good-sized fish, and you're also following it on social media, and you learn that there's such a thing as the Metery Club, and all of a sudden you're, me being a very competitive person, I'm like, okay, what does it take to get into this club? And I remember I had a big break where I went from like being in the 60s to getting an 89 centimeter fish. And that's when I knew I was like hooked on the bigger fish. I was like, okay, this is a, this, a different story. Just like little by little, putting the hours in, you start figuring out the tides, really trying to figure out shady. Shady is my stomping grounds really. But it was literally just a lot of time on the water that got me to the point where I'm addicted enough to Barra that it's like taken over my whole life. How superstitious are you in your fishing? So it's one of those things. It's kind of like the agnostic atheist argument. If you don't know if something's there or not, there's no harm in giving it a shot because it's, you can't lose. You can't lose by not bringing bananas on a boat. Like, what, what happens when you don't bring bananas on a boat? You don't bring bananas on a boat. But what happens if you do bring bananas on a boat and Baramandi happen to have some weird consciousness field that they can tap into and the bananas, like, scratch their brain a little bit and they're like, nah, I'm not eating your lures today. You got a banana on your boat. You just don't know. There's that intrinsic element of fishing that it cannot be controlled. And even the best fishers can't put a lure in the water and get a metery out every single time. And so therefore, what is that element of luck? Can it be controlled? Maybe yes, maybe no, probably not. But in case it can be altered at least somewhat by some weird belief or superstition, um, which just to mention, in other areas of my life, I'm not particularly superstitious at all. Um, But when it comes to fishing and hunting, I don't know what what it is, but there's some area of my brain that requires me to tick all the boxes so what are those boxes for you it's quite literally everything but like the everything the way that i do i have like a lucky shirt that i wear for nighttime fishing i have a lucky daytime shirt actually the funniest one is whenever i drive to shady camp the lucky thing to do is to stop at the turn off from Arnhem Highway onto Point Stewart Road and pee. And it's like every time you do that, you get a good session in. All right, we need to get on to this barrowhead that's looking at us both on the dining table. How did this end up here? Well, on this day, I ended up catching my first metery. Then I was so happy with myself. It was, it was a fish that I casted, so I was, I was on a particular spot. So then after that fish, I just sat there for half an hour just contemplating life and being like, okay, what's next? Like, I've climbed this hill. Like, it's been a long time coming. I've put all these hours in. Like, what's, what's going on next? Then I decided to go for a bit of a troll around, and a second fish takes the lure and ends up being 108 centimeters or whatever it was that beat the previous fish. And I was like... Oh my god, I just spent like an entire year of fishing every weekend, hours and hours on the water uh, without catching a metery and now I've caught two in a row. So I'm so happy and uh, it being shady camp, I didn't really want to swim it around. I just speared it in and it went straight down. I was like, happy days, like let's, let's keep this going, like let's see how far we can take this. And the boat is in a, like, a mess because I'm solo fishing and this fish like did donuts around the boat. There was things laying around everywhere and so I'm like mincoated down, tidying everything up. And as I'm doing that, I see in the corner of my eye this giant barra floating on the surface. And I'm like, oh my God, what's this? 
I turn around and look at it, and it has, hasn't got its tail. It's got this blood trail floating behind it. And I'm like, oh no, that's the fish I just caught and released, and it got chomped by a bull shark or something. Emotionally, how was that moment for you? I was actually really upset. I was like genuinely... It, it sounds weird because like I'm very happy to go shoot like an animal or something. But with Barra, they, because it took me so long and it took so much effort to get a metery, the amount of respect that I ended up getting for the bigger fish is unlike any other animal. Like I reckon I would rather shoot a dolphin than the necometery. Like it's probably not a not a very popular opinion, but I really, really like Big Bear. So I was really sad. I was like, oh no, what have I done? I just ruined this beautiful animal's life just because I wanted to catch it. However, I was like, okay, what am I gonna do now? It was about three quarters of it left from what the shark took. And um, so I pulled it in and I put it in the esky and it wouldn't fit. So I had to sort of hack its head off. And I only carry like a 40 liter esky because I never really keep too much fish. And if I do keep them, they're in the 50s or 60s. So I thought, you know how people keep antlers of deer as trophies? I was like, that's what I'm going to do with this bear. Like, this is the way that... It's going to get respected by me because I killed it in a way. Like, I didn't kill it. I released it. And then a shark bit it and it ended up floating up. And I was like, okay, so I kind of I kind of did cause its death. Um, therefore, I'm going to take its head and I'm going to do something with it. I grabbed its head and um, I put it in the freezer until a later date, until I learned what to do with it. What did you have to do? Literally, you stick your fish specimen in bunch of ethanol and you leave it there for as long as you want at least four weeks but the longer the better and then you just let it dry out and it's called ethanol dehydration where the ethanol displaces all the water and then because it evaporates so quickly when you do dry it out the entire head dries out in a matter of a day or two instead of if you were just to try to dry out a big barra head without doing that it would go it'll rot and ants will get into it and whatnot. Now there's a couple of things that we have to mention about the barra head. One is you've got two dollar coins where its eyes were. What's the go there? Well, like I say, the barra head is cool and all, but on the off chance that it's gonna haunt me and I'll never catch a meteor again, I'd better cover its eyes so it doesn't know who caught it. Kind of like, uh, and there was also a little bit of like that Greek mythology of, um, you know, putting the coins on, on eyes of people so they can cross like, I think the rivers are Styx and Acheron. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was like, fish can swim across the river anyway, but like, why not, why not? <laughs> so, Got the uh, got the coins in the eyes, and then um, then I ended up whacking in a Polo Santo stick into its mouth, kind of like a cigar. Polo Santo is the South American equivalent of sage. It's meant to be like warding off evil spirits and that. So I'm thinking, ah, uh, if you know, if it does nothing, it just looks cool, and if it mm, tips the scales in my favor on some level that you know humans aren't aware of, because you know we don't know what we don't know. And so it doesn't hurt it, and maybe it benefits in some weird way. Worst case scenario, it just looks goofy, and and the poor Santa smells nice. It's an incense. It's wicked. You light it up. Your room smells good. What role does it play in your life now? I see it every day. I look at it and I'm like, ah, I remember. Like that was a day in my life. Like there was a period in my life where. I had to catch a meter. That was literally the sole purpose of my existence at the time. It's a very important day in my life because prior to this, I thought, okay, I'm going to catch my meter and I'll, have, I'll be able to relax and hang out the fishing rods and sort of just fish, you know, for, for the sake of it. What ended up happening is that I realized, actually, it doesn't stop there. At that point, I started getting really competitive with other people's results and I, and I, that's when a real switch happened where 
I'd get disappointed with an objectively very good fishing session. Like I had fishing sessions where I'd catch three or four, sometimes five or six fish over 80 centimeters. And because I didn't make it into the 90s or into the meter mark, I was coming away from it with a bit of like a heavy feeling where you've you've gone so high, now it's disappointing. So I, I've got a fair amount of my life was dedicated to various competitive sports where a metric was always a new, numerical thing. So I was really into weightlifting and competed in it and everything was measured in kilos like are you first place or your second place is like determined by kilos lifted that also transferred into barramundi fishing where it's like whether or not you succeed is determined by is it 99 centimeters or is it 100 centimeters and the difference between the two is astronomical it's night and day and that's that's something that i had to overcome and get back to my roots in terms of why do i actually like fishing so what fishing does is it provides that real primal connection to nature that we lack in modern life. And it's also a type of meditation where you can switch your brain off and not think about your work or what the world is doing or whatever issues are going on essentially. And you're just focusing on the task at hand in this beautiful place most of the time. And so it's it's really just a type of meditation and getting back to basics back to the roots of why we sort of exist so um the, the head itself is more a memento of that particular day it's significant it kind of marks the end of the of the first stage of the journey of my fishing for barra but the way that i see fishing now is formed by what's happened since rather than that particular event. So for a superstitious person who's gone through this process of paying respect to the animal that you've sort of inadvertently killed, do you think that respect has sort of paid you back in karma or whatever else you want to call it? Well, what happened is the, the, the big fish that I've caught after that, I did end up swimming and against, you know, safety concerns and whatnot. Following that, you know, fishing's always been good to me. Um, I seldom have a, a donut session, although none of us are immune from it. Um, but I do think that, you know, since, since that's occurred, my life's improved in a way because you've been freed of the burden of of chasing numbers basically exactly that now the goal is just go out and like do it just for the sake of doing it like i just like fishing so i'll go out and fish hopefully catch some good fish but if i don't then it's just as good i have just as much fun now catching 50s or 60s in the harbor as i do catching 90s or meteries at shady it's not as important now to go and catch a bigger fish every time or go and catch fish every time. It's just as good to just go and fish. The objective isn't to catch the most biggest fish. It's just to fish in a way that is the most grounding. Tails from the tinny. Get a muddle up your brass. Well, there you go. Probably a few yeah. lessons for all of us in here. Oh, yeah. And I could smell the I could smell the odour. Of the Palo Santo. Yeah. yeah. I could smell that through the speakers. It was beautiful. You, we, you, you took us there. Interesting guy, hey. You think you know what a barrow fish looks like, but, um, but it, you know, there's, there is no, there's no formula for, for your quintessential barrow fish No, no, no. We're a jar of licorice all sorts bound together by a single passion. They're just sort of stuck together in the jar in a little, in a little way. No, no, bound to, together metaphorically. Oh, they're not literally stuck they're together. They're not stuck together. You can okay. still eat them one at a time. <laughs> but the jar is the passion for barrow fishing, and the licorice all sorts represent just the, the variety and the diversity of, of barrow fish and life itself. I mean, I think we should probably stick to, you know, in terms of fishing metaphors, maybe just one per show, you know, so we're doing the, the tide thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Maybe licorice all sorts. Maybe we could say that for next week. In case you're wondering too, Fishos, unless there's more than one Artem who works with Hiro Nakamura, 
I believe he is our man from a few weeks ago. Young boy in our office, Adam. <laughs> Every day, these boys talk about their fishing, their boat, especially Adam. Always he explained his result. I want to tell him, I don't use any fish finder. He always uses fish finder. I win. Mm. Well, that's a wrap from us for another week, Fishos. Thanks for your company, and thanks also to everyone who contributed to this week's show uh, for their contributions, but also for their willingness to answer the old life tide question. If your life was a tide, which would you rather? A spring tide or a neap? Spring tide. King Springs. Yeah, springs for sure. Yeah, no, I think just just no, just uh, the meandering plodding along now i think a, a neat tide just doing its thing life is up and down isn't it and i'd rather have some massive highs and some massive lows and just an average average high and low i guess just flat out everywhere you'll live life hard you gotta go your hardest you gotta move around no run no fun the highs are really high the lows are really low but it's worth it for the really high highs, but also for the really low lows, the introspection of the really low lows. You see what's on the bottom really clear. Younger years, yeah, the, the highs and the lows, extreme. Nah, nah, I'm neat tight. You know, you ride those massive highs and you muddle through the big lows. You only get one shot at life, so you got to, yeah, live your hardest. Well, there you go. Yeah, I think my takeaway philosophical advice would be just aim for a life where the neeps and the springs appear and disappear at the appropriate time. Basically taking a leaf out of Artem's book, just be content with whatever you got coming at you. But here's the beautiful part, Beard. Here's the beautiful part is the tide always comes in. And life moves on. Mm. Mm. Have a good week, fishos. And get a spring tide mullet up you. Or a neap tide mullet up you. Or a building tide mullet up you whichever makes you happy (laughs) where did that come from I don't know